Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The special mailbag edition of the 23 Personnel Podcast starts right now. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to the mailbag edition of the 23 Personnel Podcast this week. Joined by Michael and Seth. Hey. You guys want to introduce yourselves again? It's no. It's me. It's me, Michael. It's still Michael. It's still it Seth. It's still me, Seth. <laughs> Newsflash, this is seconds after we hit stop on the last recording. So nothing special here. We're still all in the same spot, wearing the same clothes. <laughs> Still sweating in this room because so we have yet to turn our AC on this year, if you can believe that. Are you are you just are you, are you trying to do that for a, a reason? Is it like no, an so endurance th- test? No, the house has actually not, not gotten above seventy five degrees. Oh, I see. So That's we we kind of lucked out. The past couple of days have been a little testing with this, especially in the room without a fan. So <laughs> it's a little warm. Fans, fans are helpful. Hey, before we get to questions, I, I had another question I wanted to ask Seth. Um, since we're kind of out of the sports part of it, was when was the last time you were in Lubbock, and did you notice anything strikingly different from your last visit? Uh, the last time I was in town was for the Arizona State game. Uh, and so that's when... A bunch of us rented the RV with kids, and that's right. I remember that. And they went wild ass in the RV, and (laughs) you know, but it was a good time because you know they were kind of camping out in a way, and you know, so we walked around the campus a little bit, and they, you know, it, it was a good time. But so that was the last time I was in town. So you know on trips like this it's kind of beneficial because i don't have to be cognizant of parenting um, yeah which can be really beneficial to kind of meet and talk and uh, do other things as opposed to you know make sure that the ipad is charged so that they have plenty of games (laughs) to play and things like that so um so i I think you can I was gonna say I I think you can see the difference in, in when when we have to watch kids because in the spring game Michael and I both had our our children and wives there um, for parts of that and we were just completely disengaged from the conversation whether it was you know if if my wife and son were there then I, I was not listening to what Michael Labar and Seth were talking about and when Alice and Evelyn were there then it was the same thing for Michael so yeah we were we were constantly uh, uh, conscious of my little girl's hands they were freezing they were so cold because she was having so much fun and she refused to put them in the blanket and she she just wanted to clap and she wanted to yell and she just loves to go ooh 
all the time. <laughs> she was really, really enthralled by the band. Oh yeah, the band, the palm, the palm girls, the cheerleaders, everything. She, the the fireworks. She just, she just loved it. So yeah, it's. Uh, I'm new to it, but it's a totally different experience going somewhere with child versus without child. Uh, and and we're just now starting to get in that that age where. You know, Grayson is like demanding attention from us. Um, you know, he he'll be four this year, but Seth, you you have the two very active uh, young men with you. So <laughs> yes, they are. My boys are very high energy, um, and they're both very different. You know, so Yosef is totally fine watching a game and being involved in a game, but Fitzum is very much. Uh, if he can be on a phone or an iPad because he does not care about sports at all. So uh, they're two just very different individuals. So it's uh, it can be can be tough trying to entertain both aspects of it. Although Yosef is pretty good because again he likes to he likes to watch the game. He gets pretty involved. So, um, but I, to answer your question, Michael, I didn't really notice anything different. Um, but I really didn't get a chance. I mean, like literally, I parked walked over to the stadium, met Spencer, saw Michael, um, and and then walked over to the football stadium after that. And so I, I, there was not a whole lot of time for me to, you know, see the campus or really walk around. Because after I left you guys, I went straight to the hotel and popped the top and, you know, tried to relax a little bit and, you know, started riding a little bit. So, yeah. so there just wasn't any time to mess around. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that you would have noticed if you had gone on campus to see a lot of the changes in construction going on there, but um, I don't, I don't think you would notice too much from from September if you had gone then. But, yeah, I forgot that you were just there this past season. I, I thought it was a couple of years, I, but as soon as you mentioned the RV and stuff, it all came back to me because I, um, <laughs> yeah, because you were talking about not, you weren't sure you were going to have internet or or something. Yeah, I actually ended up uh, making my phone a hotspot is how I ended up posting that, that particular uh, post-game write-up. Because, yeah, I had to get up. I mean, because that game didn't end until 11. And yeah. You kind of have to wind down. And then, so I still got up at, oh, 3.30 or 4 and wrote. Because if I didn't write, then I wasn't going to, you know, it was going to be all day Sunday before I could get anything down. So... Um, so I just got up and took care of it and, and used my phone as a mobile hotspot and posted it. So it, it worked out. So, guys, it, guys, if y'all don't know the the kind of the kind of work Seth puts in, man, maybe you'll get a just a small glimpse by that last couple of sentences because he was That's insane. He was in an RV in in Lubbock somewhere at 3:30 in the morning writing up the 10 things that you guys love to read. So, just think about that <laughs> whenever you see that post come up. Well, also on a on a daily basis when you see the uh morning steak post at 6 a.m., it's not just something he just you know copies and pastes. There's there's a little bit of effort going into that as well. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a daily thing, so. Yeah, and I haven't even worked on it tonight. Usually I always work on it um the night before, so we'll we'll see how things go tomorrow. So should be fun. Yeah, we're 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 not gonna we're not gonna try to keep you up too late tonight. <laughs> so with that, I think we'll go ahead and jump into some of our questions. Some of these are, are 
we're going to kind of touch on something we talked about in the in the previous uh, full episode, if you will. But we'll start with Kyle Lang at, at sports underscore Kyle Lang. Who is the favorite in the QB race heading into the fall? Um, I, I think with the the question Seth posed, with uh, if we had $100 to put down on somebody, who would it be? Kind of, you know, indicates who we're, where we're all leaning. Um, I think we're kind of at a consensus right now with Jet Duffy. Um, for me, though, having seen both of them, I, you know, I, I didn't see the Frisco scrimmage. Um, I've seen, you know, Duffy participate last spring. I saw him, you know, a little bit. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And then McLean Carter, in my mind, they were or they were a little further apart in my mind until I saw them on Saturday. Um, I, I think they're, at least to me, closer than what I was expecting. Probably still going to lean towards... Duffy, do you guys have any uh, I'm still, further points? No, I'm I'm still on the, that that same train of thought. I think Duffy gives the team the best chance to win, like by a long shot. So I think that if I mean, in no offense to McLean, as if he's listening, um, but <laughs> but uh, I think that McLean is a very good backup quarterback. And uh, I don't know that he'll really be the guy that, you know, is going to set records in the Big 12. And I don't know that Jet Duffy is going to be that guy either. I think that if we're expecting our prototypical tech quarterback situation, it's probably not going to happen this year. Um, Because I do think that Johns and Clay McGuire, I think they're going to be maybe asking – little bit more of the running backs in the running game than we have in prior years so um that's just my two cents so i I, honestly i don't and maybe this is a good thing maybe it kind of de-emphasizes the importance of the quarterback um from the standpoint that they're not the ones that are having to make a ton of plays you know because i think that davion ward is going to be really good and i like trey king he runs hard um we didn't see Desmond Nisby at all, either in the Frisco scrimmage or in the uh, Lubbock uh, spring game. So I'll right. be interested to see what happens there. But, but, you know, maybe this was all part of the plan. Maybe they had a little bit of forethought and decided that, hey, look, we can't, um, you know, we're not going to be good enough to just rely on our quarterbacks like Mahomes and Shimanek to an extent, uh, who had four years under his belt before he even had to start. So. You know, maybe this was part of the idea from the get-go. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the guys I think I was surprised about that I haven't mentioned yet uh, watching the spring game would have been Dalion Ward. I know he hadn't, you know, he was he was out last season, wasn't he? He didn't participate or play last fall at all. He's basically he redshirted yeah. last year. Um, so kind of out of out of mind type of thing, you know. And then he shows up this spring, um, you know, back in in invisible action. Um, you know, doesn't seem to miss a step. He was really good in the spring game. There's some pretty nifty plays. I don't know if it was. Uh, you know, new plays that John's maybe have brought in, or, or he and Kingsbury wrote up, were just really well, really well executed by the offensive line. Um, so th- that was one thing that, like I said, we haven't talked about yet. But the the second part to Kyle's question is: Is there a chance we'll be relying on our amazing defense to carry the football team through the fall to a bowl game? So there's. Um, Yes. Almost two parts of that question. <laughs> yes, are we going to be relying on the defense to carry the team this season? Michael says yes. Yes, I, I do. I nod because I'm really good at podcasting. Um, I, <laughs> I I do think that I, I don't want to say we'll rely on them, but gosh, that may be okay. what we're doing. I, that the, the offense Let me ask scares you this, me, then. guys. It really scares me. What what I saw was. There were a couple of flashes, but there was not really any consistency. There were, uh, I, I don't know. It, it it scares me. I think we've got some good pieces. I just hope it comes together uh, before you know September. But the the defense, um, yeah. I mean, it, it we we may have a chance to. We may be up by four and. Have someone may be in the red zone, and we're gonna kind of feel confident and like, hey, I think we're gonna we're gonna stop them. You know, we're we're gonna stop them, and we're gonna get the ball back, and we have thirty seconds left, and we'll run the clock out. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so the, it could happen. I mean, we really could end up relying on it. Do you think um, the offense this year will be better than it was last year? I don't. By what metric? By what metric? Well, like by S and P kind of stuff. I mean, or I don't think it's going to be better. Not we might have really more rushing close. yards or something like that. You know, we might have a, a, a measurable that's better. Um, the oh, I, I thought of something else. Relying on the defense. You know what? Last year, I even caught myself a couple of times. Man, we really need a turnover here. And I'll I'll be I'll be damned. They come up with one sometimes. So, um, that's just kind of leaning into what Kyle's saying. I mean, there's there's a good chance we could be relying on them. On S and P, uh, Bill Conley's uh, football study hall site, uh, Tech was twenty um, third in points per game and twenty fourth in uh, S and P offense. So. Will Tech be a top 25 offense? I don't remember a time that they weren't. And Kingsbury, I think he just does a really good job of that. But honestly, I could see them not being a top 25 pretty easily. Because last year, you're probably the lowest that you can remember it being in quite some time. But you also had a terrible running game. Right, and then you had a quarterback that... Inconsistent. Um... 
put up good I numbers, mean, but very inconsistent. Right. I, I it's it, it'll be different this season. The, the struggles that the offense may face will be a little bit differently. Will be different, but you know, it's I, I can't decide. You know, for for me even, is it going to be better? You know, S and P. Uh, in their efficiency, are they going to be better? At that are they going to run the ball better? Are they going to score more points? I'm, I don't know. Um, the other part of, of of Kyle's question that that I, I wanted to, to to kind of dig into. So, are we going to rely on, on the defense to carry the football team? I think we're kind of, yeah, that's probably going to be the stronger uh, part of the team at least early on. Um, is it going to be enough to get the team to a bowl game? I'm not. Michael smiling. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm ready to answer that one yet. Uh, I, I think we're right on the cusp. Um, I, I, even if it's, even if the defense plays well, uh, but if we just constantly put up 17 points, 21 points in the Big 12. Um, no, I, I don't think it's going to be enough to solely rely on them to get us to a bowl game. So the, there was a discussion that we were having about the Big 12 quarterbacks as a whole being a little bit um, coming in at probably a lower level than what we've seen in the past. Do you think that, I mean, it's hard not to, to, to look at that as an opportunity to say, if Tech's going to have a, a – a struggle this year on offense that it it's going to be pretty timely if the rest of the conference is also taking a step back in terms of offense. So if we're talking about making it to a bowl game and we look around the conference, you know, the majority of your schedule is going to be conference games, obviously um, your defense is better. Con- offenses around the conference are facing similar questions to you. You know, it, it, I think I I would lean more towards making a bowl game this year than I was last year, and I was wrong last year, obviously. Um, it just it's it's going to be interesting to see what the offense does and how much we may be relying on a run game and defense and turnovers. Then we need Shemanek to get us down the field and score a touchdown here. I, I tend to think that that's exactly what's going to happen. I've kind of been thinking in my brain as the season's gone forward that, or as the spring has gone forward that this is kind of where we're at at this point. Like, you know, uh, I think, Michael, you said that when uh, you went to kind of some sort of like Q&A with Kingsbury earlier uh, last week, Yes. And one of the things that uh, Kingsbury said that if you see David Gibbs around Lubbock, make sure and give him a kiss because uh, uh, he's 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 done miracles with what he's done here. And I think that we really are headed towards the defense and the running game being bigger parts of the offense than what we've previously done. Because I don't think that you hire Clay McGuire, who's basically an offensive line coach, and you have Brandon Jones, who's already kind of a I mean, he wants to do more running game stuff than probably uh, Kingsbury maybe does. And he seems to take a lot of pride into kind of getting guys 
to do that. And then you've got the return of Daly on Ward. Uh, I, I just think that things are lining up to be really strong in that area. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's where we're going. Some uncharted territory for Tech football, relying on the run game and defense. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting for sure. I'm excited to see what Johns does and McGuire does as far as the offense is concerned. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a question to stay with football. Um, go to Seth at Irby underscore Seth. What position group got you most excited about their future? He said uh, he'd personally say the DBs but argument can be made for several others. Um, not to to just echo what he said, I, I think the DBs could be a strength of the defense. Obviously, um, you know, I, I would, the future, as in like 2018 season, I would say I'm probably excited about the linebackers again. I don't think we've seen a group as deep or as skilled and talented as, that we have currently with Dakota Allen, Jordan Brooks, and Rico Jeffers. In quite some time, um, so I, I would say linebackers. Uh, I think for me, I would actually say the defensive line because uh, that, like Seth mentioned, I I did go to it was some it was a, a a realtor friend of mine invited me to this luncheon for the West Texas Home Builders and Kingsbury was was there. And so was Coach Dean Campbell, who was who recruited Kingsbury during the Spike Dykes days, and and John Harris was there, and John Harris basically facilitated kind of a discussion, and it basically turned into just a Q and A, like you'd hear on the radio, with him and Kingsbury towards the end, just about football, and Kingsbury had this to say about Joe Wallace, who set out last year. Um, defensive lineman, he said that he's the most dominant player on defense right now. Uh, that's that was with John Harris asking him who's your surprise player on defense and this is that was Kingsbury's answer and then um, he also said that uh, he didn't say how how Wallace was sized but Wallace is listed at six one three fifteen he's only a sophomore and he plays behind Broderick Washington Jr. who's a junior and in more ways than one there you go fun joke but um the what what he said about joe wallace was that they've just quit setting weight goals for him you know he's he's 6'1 315 they're like he said he can move the size he is we're not going to set any more weight goals for him he'll just he'll just do what he does at the size he is and it's incredible so i kind of paid more attention to him because of what kingsbury said and i know that he he had one sack in the spring game, and he should have had two because he he got to Duffy, but Duffy they still let him throw the ball on a different play. Um, he's made some tackles behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he he got back there a lot. So I think the line I'm 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 pretty excited about that, and just the way they were kind of stuffing the run game um, against our ourselves was. Uh, that, that that's kind of my, that's my answer on that. So three defensive groups so far, Seth. What do you what group are you taking? So I was going to take the defensive line, but I could take the offensive line and talk a little bit about them because you have basically everybody returning to a line that should theoretically be better. And so if we're relying on the running game, 
and you've got again basically two offensive line coaches um, on the offensive side of the ball and Jones and McGuire. Um, you know, I think that that can really just lead to good things is my hope. And, and maybe another good one would be special teams. Um, I seem to be swayed by um, Adam Shire's positive um, Twitter presence. Uh, so, so he seems to know what he's doing and he seems to want to get a lot of reps in and those are all good things. So, so maybe those would be a couple that would be beneficial to say, yeah, I mean, if the future looks good for perhaps both those units. You're not concerned about Clayton Hatfield missing a 30 yard field goal in the spring game? No, not even a little <laughs> bit. He's going to have ice in his veins. Yeah, I mean, so to, to his credit, he did make a 40 and a 41 yarder after that. So made all and the I think PATs. The one that he too. missed, he kicked yep. uh, into the wind, right? The yes. first one he missed was into the wind. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely was. And there were some audible groans when that kick was missed. Definitely. For as sparse as the crowd was, everybody was like, "Oh gosh, are you kidding me?" <laughs> um. Let's go to let's go to Brian's question. One of the late entries. Uh, Brian asked, "Bigger impact, sophomore Michael Crabtree on Mahomes' 15 squad." So, if Crabtree was on the the 2015 team with Mahomes, or DeAndre Washington on the 2008 team with Graham Harrell. Oh eight, oh eight with Graham Harrell. So if DeAndre Washington was on the 08 team, yeah. Any and that had thoughts Baron to support Batch that? <laughs> and who else? And Sh- Shannon Woods. Shannon Woods. I-, I wonder if he meant Mahomes 16. Maybe. Okay, so it, so put Crabtree on the 16 team. W- would that change your answer? That would that would change it. If if I had to go between the two, you know, maybe maybe he meant 15 because he knew that'd be a better question because. 16 was when it was officially just the Mahomes show. That was just it. He, he was, you know, we would have beaten Oklahoma. I mean, there, there have been a lot of games we probably would have won just because he could have thrown it to uh, Crabtree's general direction. Was Jakeem Grant still on the team in 2016? Yes. Yes. So you would have had um, Crabtree, Jakeem Grant... Cam Batson, and who would be on the other side? Probably Cantrell. Nah, Cantrell didn't play that year. He had that was when he had his knee injury, wasn't it? Yeah. So who? So I don't think we had like a. We didn't have like a. Oh, go-to. it was a, it was a Devin Lauderdale. Was Lauderdale, yeah. Or was that 2015? See, I don't even. It's been. I'll look it up. Well, Giles was 16. Um, oh, that's a good one. Uh, and Kiki and Batson and Lauderdale and Sadler, they were all kind of in the mix. And in 15... Yeah, so Lauderdale was on the 16 team. He played in seven games, 300 yards, two touchdowns. Reggie Davis was on the 15 team. 
It's a good question, Brian. I I mean, I'm I'm firmly, you know, Crabtree's up at the top of several leaderboards and only played 2 years at a in a pass happy school. So I uh, Mahomes definitely would have been able to get the ball to him. I, I, that's my answer, whether it's 15 or 16. Um, that's mine I'm, too. I, I can see the impact of having DeAndre Washington. I don't want to downplay how good he was uh, on the 08 squad, and and that's what you know that that's what makes the question more interesting because you know you go 11 and one that year. Would you have won in Norman if you had more of a uh, you know, more of a threat at running back, I guess you could say, with that line that they had. But I don't know. I mean... Would you have beat Ole Miss? Yes. You wouldn't have had Harold run a, run a stinking sneak on fourth and four in midfield or whatever the heck that was. With like five seconds to go before the half? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great... <laughs> Great call, Lee. And he, he pops up trying to call a time. I was like, dude, time expired like 10 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, um, I, I think that would have – I think we would have won that bowl game. I don't know if anybody um, in the world was going to beat OU <laughs> that night in Norman. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think stronger team all around would have been DeAndre Washington on the 2008 team. Would it have changed the overall record? No. I think – the impact, at least on the win-loss record, would have been if Crabtree was on the 15-16 team, whichever one, with Mahomes. Um, Get Crabtree on Kansas City. We'll, we'll, we can kind of see what would happen. <laughs> sort of. The other question Brian asked, um, what's a college stadium or game that's on your bucket list to see? So I'm, I, I've got some SEC ties in my family. I would say... If there's a game or a stadium, um, I would want to go see an LSU home game at night. Um, whether it's against Florida or like an Auburn or a, not Alabama, that would just be a really boring game. We've seen plenty of those. Um, but yeah, LSU versus Auburn or, or Florida would be one of my picks. That's a really good one. Um, I guess it doesn't have to be football um, no and he, he didn't he didn't specify that yeah he just well, said college he, though yeah he's um, a college stadium or game I, so what came to my head immediately and if i had more time to think about it, i'm sure i'd think of something better but uh with a wife from kentucky who went to louisville for a few years i would i think the uk louisville game uh would be a heck of a thing to see in person. Um, I think that's up there. Gosh, I've got to think of a football one. I can't believe I don't have one just stock. Uh, well, I'd love to see you, Tech Seth? in the national championship game. Does that <laughs> does that work? <laughs> yeah, that works. What about uh, you, you, Seth? You have a you have a bucket list game. So maybe just a stadium? couple. Uh, one would be maybe Notre Dame. And then the other one is a little bit off, is that uh, I would love to go see Army at home. So not in one of the um, Army-Navy type games, but actually Army at home. 
um, because their stadium's just kind of like right on a river um, in the kind of that cool New York area. Um, it just looks really awesome. It's kind of like in a valley. Uh, it just looks kind of very picturesque. So it's a place that you probably wouldn't think that would be really cool, but it's uh, it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't know if my answer was very good. I keep sitting here thinking of more of, of different ones, but that was just where my mind went was to basketball. But yeah, as soon as we as soon as we're done recording, I'll come up with something I'll feel better about. Well, I mean, just just think of some of the big games around the country that are kind of annual. You got Michigan, Ohio State, um, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, um, Texas OU. Yeah, yeah. That, I would. I think I would like the Texas OU game better, just as a fan standpoint, if it wasn't at Cotton at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I, I've always thought that. You know, obviously, outside of a, you know, we're not UT or OU fans, but what that what those games would look like if they were back on the home campuses. Yeah, I mean, I, I think going to one of those wearing like a a nondescript shirt. In Norman in or in Austin, hat. yeah, th- those those would kind of get up there. Uh, that that'd be that'd be pretty fun. But uh, yeah, of course, you know the Iron Bowl would be great. Uh, but yeah, that there's not a. I really didn't follow college football much until I came to Tech. So they're kind of my team. I'm not. I mean, I res- I, I understand the the lore of Alabama and Notre Dame and. And uh, the the big names like that, but since I wasn't really big into them younger, I'd, I haven't made it out there. I, my uh, my boss's brother, he and his group of friends, they just pick a game to go to every year. And Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll pick one big game, and I know that they've been to a Notre Dame game. I forget who they played, uh, and they went to a Georgia game. I think it was Georgia, Florida, maybe. Uh, I mean, they've they've been to some of the big, you know, kind of the bigger matchups, and that that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm thinking of the other games that we haven't mentioned yet: um, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, um, BYU, uh, Utah. I think a Tennessee USC, game would be Dame. kind of fun. USC Notre Dame or USC or Notre Dame and Stanford. USC UCLA. See, for me, it's more the setting than it is the game itself. Like, I'm more interested in seeing the scene than the actual game itself. Yeah, and with that in mind, Oregon is kind of up there. Yeah, which is Brian's alma mater, too. Yeah, a a few years ago, it wouldn't have been really really good to to catch a game up there. They haven't been as good lately. Which, so that kind of plays into why I want to go see the LSU game. You know, that atmosphere is supposedly, you know, unbelievable. Plus, they're usually fairly good without a quarterback. Well, and Brian's somehow it all comes back to Brian. His brothers, his brother went to LSU. That's right. Yeah. Cause he was talking about that when we had, we played that bowl game with yeah. that just unbelievably mismatch. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Crabtree would have come in handy in that game too. 
I don't. I, if if he was supposedly supposed to tackle Leonard Fournette, I don't think it would have changed anything. <laughs> there were nothing would have changed how many points LSU scored if we had Crabtree on the team. Um, so Justin Jordan or at Texan Jordan. This goes back to to basketball and football a little bit. Does the success that Chris Beard has does a sorry does the success that Chris Beard has had with the men's basketball program put even more pressure on Kingsbury to produce this year or else. Seth, you want to start that one? So I think that they're completely independent of each other. It's my own opinion. Um, I don't know that Kirby looks at it like, oh, well, now that this is doing better, then this needs to do better too. I think that for whatever reason, Kirby has just decided that, you know, Cliff is his project in a way, and he really wants him to succeed. And, you know, I don't know that it's going to happen for him, but I think that he wanted to give him every opportunity to be great or to be good. And if it doesn't work out this year, then I think that, you know, I don't know that Kirby will be able to keep him around another year. But but I, I just think that they're – they're completely independent of each other. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's a, a clear comparison there with how quickly you can turn a basketball program around because you're talking about a staff of, or, you know, a roster of 13 and a staff of, what, three or four versus a roster of 105 and a staff of 10 mm-hmm. for football. So, um, yeah, I'm... It's easy to to say, you know, you know, this coach had success in year two, and we're looking at year six with football, and we're still kind of waiting. But I don't think that comparison can be made. Michael, what do you think? Uh, I think fans will make the comparison. Uh, I agree with Seth that there's no way that Kirby Hokut's making this comparison. There's no way he's taking that into account. But fans are gonna, hey, we had college game day here, and uh, you know, we beat. Kansas, and at Kansas for the first time in 17 years, and you know that's they they see that kind of success and they want to be a part of it, and it, it frustrates them when they don't see it elsewhere. But it's such an apples and oranges comparison. Uh, you know, if you have five or six kids who can play basketball well, then you're going to have a team that might make the tournament. You know, it, that's that's all it takes. Uh, mm-hmm. you, if you have five or six kids who can play football well, uh, they may be on three different squads. And who knows how many different, you know, they, they may be five or six different positions, or they may all play the same position and they back each other up. I don't know. So it's it's definitely something that I think fans will look at and say, well, Chris Beard did so such and such in two years and, yeah, that's true. Um, that's basketball. You know, that is that is in a completely different sport with different uh, aspects and different nuances and stuff. So I, I think, but to answer the, you know, as far as put even more pressure on Kingsbury, I don't know how much more pressure you can put on him. This is, this is it. This is maximum. He's going to come out of this thing so compressed that he's going to just be like a six foot two gleaming diamond, 
at the end of this season. He's He's got so much pressure on him, I don't think anything's going to add to it. Um, and I think he's he's happy for Beard, of course. I mean, everybody's, you know, he's happy for Tadlock, everybody who's having success. And I'm sure he's probably even kind of, it probably drives him a little bit, um, just kind of an internal competition. But no, I I think um, I, I think it's this year or else. And I already, so that's where I stand on it. So, Seth, do you do you think that as as well that this is a, a make or break year? This is if there's not a certain criteria met for Kingsbury that he's gone, or is there again more of a we'll see how he does and how it looks? No, I mean I don't think that Kirby's made up his mind like as to what will happen this year, but. You know, when you if if he decides to retain him this year, then he's going to have to extend the contract most likely. And I just don't know that. You know that I mean, unless it's just a huge, unless we're talking nine wins. But even then, I think that the fan base is a little bit gun shy on stuff like that. So like, if you win nine games this year, I still think that the fan base is going to say, "Well, last time we did that, you know, it kind of backfired on us." So. We had a huge buyout, and we couldn't change anything. So, man, I've been in the train that I, you know, I Kingsbury kind of lost me two years ago. So, I think that two years ago I had a post that said, "Hey, I'm kind of done here." You know, I don't know that it's going to get any better. So, you know, I truly enjoy Kingsbury. I think that he is become a much better head coach. I think that he probably has his best staff that he's ever had. I think that the coaches he's put together this particular go-round are really outstanding. However, I don't know if it's enough. Yeah, I, I don't think... One, I don't think the team is going to perform well enough to be in a position where we're going to be like, well, was that number of wins going to be enough? Because I, I think we're all like thinking about that 6-7 cutoff. Because I, I think it's a fairly easy decision if, if he goes 5-7 and seven and kind of muddies the water again if he goes 6-6. Six and six. Um, I, I, Currently, at this time, I don't know if the team will be in a position where we're considering game 12 is Kingsbury coming back next year. Yeah, I... I, I, I said that last year too. Right. But. <laughs> well, and, and that goes to Seth's point. One of these point. years I'll be right. That goes to Seth's point that last year kind of proved that Kirby's not coming in here saying, uh, you know, if you do this, then I will keep you. I, I think he. I think it's a situational thing. I think he's going to take it like a week at a time, basically, uh, day by day, these things, I pray. But I, I think that... <laughs> It's, you know, it's it's not just um, how many we win. It's going to be how many we lose and how we lose them. Um, if if we have three games that we lost by a combined fourteen points or something, that's that's probably going to that's probably going to lose it for people. You know that that type of thing. Even if even if we won like six or seven, but we lost three games either because of uh, some questionable coaching decisions at the end or the offense just couldn't put any points on the board at the end or, or just uh, 
I think that's going to determine it a lot. Um, of course, if if we're blown out, then yeah, there's your answer. But if if we lose close games, I think that's what gets people more frustrated. Yeah, and and I guess I want to take this opportunity to kind of like walk my answer back just a little bit and say it's one thing to be beaten by a better team and like you know you you were beaten by OU last year and they were obviously the better team but there were a lot of games like West Virginia and Iowa State that you probably should have won and you didn't Kansas State games like that that keep repeating um, I think are going to be what really is going to seal the deal either way you know either you win those games or you don't and um, you know games that you should be winning that you end up losing you're you're gonna lose. You're gonna run out of patience with fan base, with your administration. So, final question. I don't know if we actually got to that. We we talked about like where the draft position would be, but Dan asks which NBA team or roster is the best fit for Zaire Smith. Go Spurs, go baby. That's still my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know enough about the NBA to know where he best fits. Besides, you know. Mavericks basically need anything not named Dennis Smith. And I only got that answer because that's what Seth told me. <laughs> that's true. And I don't know um, the NBA rosters really very well. I mean, I have a very superficial view of uh, NBA teams. So I kind of follow the Mavs and tangentially the Spurs and the Rockets. You know, I know what they're doing, but I don't really follow them. So um, The other thing that – that the and all those spots where uh, Zaire was kind of slotted to go draft, I don't know any of those teams. Um, some of those smaller market teams that aren't Dallas, San Antonio, or Houston. I was like, I don't know them enough to, to know. So, sorry, Dan, I, I don't. I don't have an answer for that. I'd love to see him on the Mavericks because I know how much they struggle. But at number three, he's probably not going to the Mavericks. No, he's going to San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to have to replace Kawhi, so yeah. better get somebody. Yeah, they're going to start, they're going to make some moves and and uh, maybe get a maybe get a pick a little bit higher up and uh, try to groom the next Kawhi. <laughs> All right, with that, I think we'll wrap up the, the Q&A section. Uh, we'll get to what we learned this week, because that's something I think we put off for a couple weeks. Um, this was kind of a a segment we wanted to pick up and we're super inconsistent with it. We'll we'll be we'll be real quick here. Michael, is there something you learned this week? Yes. Um I learned that I'm gonna be out of town this weekend. I'm going to a Foo Fighters concert in Dallas. Wow. So <laughs> nice. I learned that not that's not what I learned, but I learned it's gonna time perfectly with the closing down of the loop on Sunday for a marathon. So, like, the entire loop is going to be closed down from 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Sunday, and I don't know what that's going to do. In Dallas? No, in Lubbock, here in Lubbock. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm going to miss all that, and I I don't know. The the Mayor's Marathon this weekend. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's okay. Spencer, if you're here, tell me how it goes. Tell uh, Tell me if you're able to... To drive over to the Alamo Draft House, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay hunkered down because I know how how well we, the the people of Lubbock do with with traffic. Yeah, or any sort of 
any sort of diversion. So that that was one of the things I learned. And oh, and I learned um, at that luncheon with Kingsbury, um, when they were recruiting him at Mississippi State, they took him spotlight hunting. And that was kind of a deal breaker. He wasn't he wasn't super into that. <laughs> wasn't super would, would into spotlight like, hunting in Starkville. <laughs> did he say what they were hunting for? Like were they doing frogs or something? No, he, like, he didn't say redneck like that. Or <laughs> well, I mean, it, I, I know spotlight spotlight hunting back where I grew up was coyotes or hogs or just varmints, whatever possum. Whatever came up, I never went. It was just I always heard the stories of the guys going. But and, and wasn't that generally like frowned upon, like yes, borderline yeah. poaching? Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. I mean, it's. I don't know if it's illegal. I, some of you guys who are hunters would would have to correct me, but it might be because yeah, it's it stops them in their tracks, so they just stare at the light and then you shoot them. That's that's pretty much it. But yeah, that was one of his. Uh, that was another thing I learned, and and they were trying to recruit Drew Brees at the same time. Who, who is they? Uh, Spike Dykes and oh. Coach Campbell. Just think how that would have turned out if if it was uh, Drew Brees instead of Cliff Kingsbury, and where we would be right now. That'd be a whole <laughs> different thing. I know that was kind of an awkward position, because <laughs> everyone in the room, you could tell, kind of thought that, like, oh, I wonder. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> so, Seth, what did you learn this week? Man, this week is already just so short. I've only had like two days to learn something. Um, I don't know if I really... Maybe what I've learned is that I'm getting... Like, you know, driving to Lubbock and then driving back the very next day uh, made me tired. And I had to take like an hour nap on uh, on Sunday whenever I got home. But I did get home like at 11. <laughs> and I'd left at like 5 in the morning. So I watched the sunrise. And I did see some pretty amazing sun. Uh, I took some, some really good pictures. I actually pulled over on the side of the road and um, took some pretty neat photos of uh, the sun rising. Uh, I'll have to tweet those out later. So, um, so maybe that's what I learned. That you get up early enough, you see some pretty awesome things. You bet. So, what I learned this week. Um, Please be yard related. Yeah, I, I, I guess we'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'm I'm naturally a very impatient person. You probably couldn't 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 guess that from no. how I <laughs> how I act here or on Twitter or any of that. Um, so we were finally able to see some some growth in the yard that we seeded. Um, the package said six to fourteen days for germination. On day six, I was out there like on my hands and knees, my eye on the ground level, looking for any type of green. Nothing. I was like, all right, well, I did everything right. Where is it? Where's the grass? Day seven, same thing. I'm looking, 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 nothing. Pops up on day 14. I was like, really? Are you kidding me? Like I, at that point, I was getting to the point where I was like, what did we do wrong? Did we just water this for two weeks for nothing? Are we going to have to tear it all up and start over? And then it pops up and it's been, been growing for about a week now. And it's 
it's actually going really fast. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's really thin. So I actually, I, I, I reseeded tonight. Um, so much work. I know, but <laughs> on the flip side though, if I, if I would have put sod down instead of seed, I would have spent, um, close to 2000 on that where I'm probably before my water bill comes in, uh, a well, hundred dollars. <laughs> your water bill still would have been bad. Right, because I had to water the, the no sod in. What. Yeah, you, you weren't so, going to escape that. I, I don't know if, if I should consider the water bill and my expenses for growing a yard, but um, <laughs> it, it's it's taken a while, uh, really slow. The wind has not been helping t- tonight. So we were running around hoping to go to a, a, a movie tonight. It ended up happening. But I shut, I shut my sprinklers off sat Sunday night to give it Monday and all of today to dry out the ground enough for me to walk on mm-hmm. so I could seed, get off work, and the wind is just howling. I'm like, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the seed in the broadcast butter. It's going to drop out, and it's gonna, just going to fly with the wind. And then I'm going to try to water it in. And like I had to go back with a, a hand can to fill in where the sprinklers were just being blown around. <laughs> um, so still learning that growing yard from seed is is a lot longer and slower although it's growing really fast now it's also really thin which is why i reseeded um it it is considerably darker than i was expecting like the grass itself it is a really really dark green so it's like as soon as it fills in the neighbors with all their trash bermuda they're gonna they're gonna be shamed and put to shame you're such an elitist so what kind of grass did you get so i i i uh i put down uh tall fescue okay okay so it's not one that's going to be filling in on its own it'll be it'll need some constant attention from like off to reseed probably every every fall at least for the first couple years you're going to need to round up where your neighbor's yard uh, comes into the uh, fescue area because i think that the runners for the Bermuda grass are going to slowly but surely creep over to your fescue. So be on the lookout for that. Which is why I was hoping to get my, my grass growing before their Bermuda came out of dormancy because Bermuda needs full sun. Um, there's actually like on the side yard, there's actually like my neighbor, her on the side of her house, past the front of her house so like on the corner and then all the way out of the street is greening up everything from the corner of the house back to the fence between her houses is still brown and in dormancy because it's not getting as much sun so i'm hoping if i can get my grass growing thick enough tall enough i can shade out their bermuda to kind of hold off from getting my yard overtaken by bermuda bermuda's a weed it is to you super no, no, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a fight to keep, keep that nasty stuff out of my yard. Yeah, I, uh, I've got enough of it in mind that edging is just. There's certain parts of it where, you know, where it just, it just wraps over that concrete or the sidewalk or whatever, and you just. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing how much it can creep over it. But my old house was worse. It it had a lot more of that and you know if, if I didn't edge it very much I'd have to reestablish the edge almost every time I mowed it was just brutal yeah I'm still trying to decide if I'm gonna if I'm gonna break down and buy one of those stick edgers 
those like dedicated edging tools or if I can do it with a, a weed eater that I can ro rotate over. We'll see. I don't have a lot of edging to do except around the driveway. You can do but. pretty good with the with the weed eater. Uh, what I've got is I've got that Ryobi. I mean, it's you know definitely no steel or top of the line or anything like that. But I've got just the Ryobi string trimmer, and you can uh, take off the string trimmer and put on the edging attachment. It's got all the different mm -hmm. attachments you can kind of swap out. So that's that's what I do instead of having a dedicated edger because those things get expensive really quickly of course this edger is a pain to use it's not very good i actually wouldn't recommend it i don't know why i'm <laughs> recommending it to you you so should probably get a standalone edger <laughs> when i went to go buy the mower a couple weeks ago when it was on on sale because I, I still won't need it for another few weeks there was a ryobi rep there and he saw me waiting for like a home depot guy to come help me get the mower off the shelf he was like Hey, why don't you come over here and let me show you something? And he was showing me like the Ryobi electric mower, which was two inches smaller on the deck and like fifty or sixty dollars more expensive. And I was like, Yeah, I'm not really interested in, in this small electric mower. Was it a Thanks, chargeable though. one or was it one that you had yeah, to plug in? No, it, it had the the forty volt battery that they have on all their stuff now. Okay. But I don't have any other other tools or yard yard equipment, so it would have been buy that by itself, and then get hooked in for a you know another mower or not a mower, what a, they, an edger. What they probably didn't tell you is that battery probably didn't come with it, or did it come with the battery? Because those batteries get expensive one. in a hurry. Yeah, it, 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 he said it came with one and the charger. Um, the mower had space for a second battery, not to run off two batteries, but to to have it so you could change it over because the battery doesn't last very long. It also has lights on it. He's like, so in case you need to get out there and mow in the dark. And I asked him, well, can you turn the lights off? He's like, no. It's like, great. So you just run in battery for nothing. Running battery with a light on <laughs> in the middle of the day. Well, at some right. point, we're just going to be all getting the Roomba of mowers at some point, right? You know, I've seen I'm, one. I'm of waiting those. for that. Yes, and I'm waiting for that to become full scale and and so it can mow just to just while I'm sitting here talking to you guys on the podcast it was such a the, the one time i saw it this is so bizarre and i know we're we're going long but that's what we do um i my wife went to uh, a friend's house for some it was like a party type thing and she gets there and realizes that her tire is like she probably hit something you know not two minutes before she got there and she gets there and she realizes her tire is just air is just coming out and it's going to be flat before she leaves and so i go over there to change it and while i'm changing it there's one of those little roomba mowers going around the yard and it's freaking <laughs> me out because it's behind me and i'm not sure you know i'm focusing on changing the tire and i don't know where this thing's gonna go and it had some electric eye thing to where it kept it from going into the neighbor's yard but it was just a just a bizarre little deal Roaming around, kind of chopping at sure. some weeds. I'm ready yeah, you for the sure robots if your to foot take was over. next. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like a maximum overdrive type deal where I just have some horribly dis dismembering thing happen because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, see, I, I don't know if I would go that route. I would for the like an interior, like a, a carpet vacuum, because I can't, I really can't stand vacuuming. But I, I usually enjoy mowing enough. That I don't think I would want to give that up to some other automated thing and i i've only 
I've only considered paying somebody to do it when the weeds have gotten like out of control and I legit didn't have time to deal with it. It's just like easier for somebody else to, to come in and do it for me. But I've, I've paid somebody to do my yard probably twice all time. Um, it's just something I've enjoyed doing. So yeah, I enjoy doing it too, ever... but it's usually a two hour ordeal with the mowing and the weed eating and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. So I say that I have, I have 3000 square feet, so I don't have a ton of stuff to kind of have a, I don't have a lot of yard or land to cover. So, cause I am not afraid my house, basically it's kind of one of those lots where, you know, you're in a little addition or whatever you want to call it. And so my front yard kind of looks like a baseball field where the front part of the yard basically is like the outfield and the back part of the yard is smaller. Mm. And so I've got so much space on that my house abuts up to the road. And so I literally round up three times a year because edging it is just no. Just not going to do it. You, you'd rather just round it up than you yeah. round up than edge I mean, it. I try and keep it nice and neat so it doesn't look like things are dying, but but no, I'm not going to spend. It's just, it's just a pain in the rear. So I don't know. I just can't stand it. Yeah, I, I so on the on the keeping Bermuda out. There's a there's a, the, the chemical. I, I, I'm already blank on the name of it. I know how to apply it and everything. Once it starts to come into my yard, I just can't apply it to my neighbor's yard just yet. <laughs> well, I know that my dad. My dad uh, is an agronomy major. He's an Aggie, and so uh, he has his license and his certificate, and so he hooks me up with whatever it is that I need on on those kind of chemicals. So it's uh, that's uh, one of the good things about having an Aggie for a father. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. My my, my advice. My my chemical recommendations are coming from youtube so <laughs> youtube will the never steer you wrong right mm-hmm. all right well we, we obviously want to thank seth for his time on the podcast this week gave us uh, a solid two hours of content um seth where can people find you if they don't already know where where you're at i have no idea <laughs> no um <laughs> staking is where i write um I think my Twitter handle is Seth C underscore J. Keep it short and sweet. Um, and uh, at staking the plane, there's no S on the Twitter handle. And I think that's it. So if you don't already come over to the website, uh, I don't imagine anybody listening to this is in that category, but you should check it out if you don't. Um, again, we want to thank Seth for joining us this week. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll see you again next week.